Welcome to another message from Columbus First Assembly. Thanks for listening as we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God. Our hope is that you're encouraged by today's message. When you look at the condition of the world, many people are asking, is the end upon us? When you watch the natural disasters that hit our nation and other places around the world, when you watch the wars that are popping up all over the wars or or all over the world or the threat of wars, and especially as you watch what's going on in the tensions in the Middle East, Christians are asking, is this the end? Are we close? But what's surprising to me, maybe it shouldn't be surprising to me, is how many people outside of the church are asking similar questions. What's happening in the earth? Are we getting closer to the end when the earth will finally dissolve, when the earth will be judged? As you watch the political climate in our nation and around the world, as you watch the anger, the violence, and the hatred, some of you may be aware of this, and I'm not going to talk about it this morning, but do you know that one of the signs that we're close to the end is the love of many will grow cold? Selfishness, hatred, violence, division, that is a sign that we are approaching Jesus Christ's return. The last days, where are we now? That's my title this morning. Where are we now? How close are they? What can we tell from the signs that the Bible has indicated to what's going on in our world? Where are we now regarding this thing called the last days? And the first portion of Scripture that I'm going to take you to is probably, in some people's minds, an odd part of Scripture, because we're going to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is the story of God pouring his Holy Spirit for the very first time on mankind. And on the day of Pentecost, the 120 that were there in the upper room received the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues. But there is something because of the excitement of that passage. There is something because of the miracle of the giving of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost that we might miss. And that's why we're going to look at Acts chapter 2 this morning. If you would turn there in your Bible, um, hopefully you have one available. If you are watching online and you are watching on your device and your Bible's on your device, you're probably... mm, I'm not, gonna, not going to be doing so well. I grab a paper Bible or just listen as I read it. The verses, these verses will not be coming up on the screen. But for those of you that are here, you can look it up on your device unless you're also watching me here and watching me online at the same time, which is going to be really weird because there's approximately, what is it, Pastor Evan, about a seven to 10 second delay between what's up here. So uh, that if you can do that, I can't. That would drive me nuts. But uh, so... Um, Here we go, Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Now, just to give you a little context, Jesus was crucified on Passover. Pentecost is about 50 days after Passover. So Jesus was crucified, rose from the dead, then he was alive upon the earth for 40 days, meeting people, talking, giving final instructions. In fact, some of his final instructions are found in Acts chapter 1 where he says, now, you guys don't leave Jerusalem. 
Stay here in the city and wait for the promise. Wait for that which I have told you about. Wait for that which John the Baptist had mentioned, the coming of the Holy Spirit. And then on the day of Pentecost, this takes place. Let's pick it up. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee. And yet we hear them speaking in our native languages. Here we are, Parthenians and Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying they're just drunk, that's all. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above, in signs in the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord's, of the Lord, that the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In the middle of all that was taking place, in the middle of the gang or the crowd speaking in tongues, in the middle of Peter preaching, Peter draws their attention back to the Old Testament to a prophecy of Joel, and he said, what you see here today, the giving of the Holy Spirit, the baptizing of the Holy Spirit of those that were in the upper room, what you see today was prophesied long ago by Joel. Let's read it again. Verse 17, and this is so key, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. I'm here to tell you this morning, we're talking about where are we in the last days. First of all, you need to understand when the last days started. Point one this morning that I'm going to make is the last days began a long time ago. The prophet Joel prophesied that when God poured the Holy Spirit on all flesh for the very first time, that was the beginning of last days. The last days started well over 2,000 years ago when the Holy Spirit came. So it means that every generation 
from back then to now has been living at some point in this thing called the last days. That shouldn't be surprising because in the New Testament, we find all kinds of mentions of the return of Jesus in the last days and that it could come at any time or it could come soon. Point two this morning is this. The last days are spoken about throughout the Bible. They began a long time ago and they're spoken about throughout the Bible. Um, Dr. David Jeremiah who is one who has studied uh, prophecy in the Bible for a long time, says, says this, quoting from him now. In the Old Testament, Christ's return is emphasized no less than in 17 books. And the New Testament authors speak of it in 23 of 27 books. So 23 of the 27 New Testament books that we have talk about the second coming, the return of Christ, the end times, and the last days. They mention the Lord's return. In other words, one out of every 30 verses in the New Testament teaches us that Jesus Christ is coming back to earth, and the Lord himself referred to his return 21 times. The return of Jesus, the end times, the last days are an important theme in the New Testament. I'm just going to just briefly tell you three reasons why God wants us or why they're so important. First of all, God wants us to know about them. God does, want, does not want his family, his children, his believers to be uninformed about the last days, about the end times. He doesn't want us to be uninformed. And so throughout the New Testament, at virtually every book, there's only four that don't have some mention to the second coming of Christ. Out of 27 New Testament books, only four, and usually they're the very small ones. God wants his people to know about the end times. Secondly, God wants us to be ready for them. Jesus spends a great deal of time when he describes the end times saying, be ready, be ready, be ready, for you don't know when your Lord is going to return. And the third reason God wants us to know about the end times is this, that we will not be fearful or anxious about them. That we will not be fearful or anxious about the end times. In the book of 1 Thessalonians, and if you would like to read about the event called the rapture, you'll find it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and chapter 5. Um, in, in the future here, I'm going to be giving one specific message about the rapture, and I'll just make sure I promo it so you know when it's going to be. But in chapter 4, he describes the resurrection of the dead, the rapture. He talks about it in chapter 5. But in the middle of that, in chapter 4, verse 18, Paul wrote these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit for all of us, not just then. So encourage each other with these words. Encourage each other with the words about the second coming of Jesus. Encourage each other with the words about the resurrection. Encourage each other with the words about the rapture of the church. God's desire in showing us and telling us about the end times is that we would be encouraged. But sometimes, that's not the case. Sometimes, Thoughts about the end may make us a bit anxious. Or we don't want the end to come. Years ago, when I was much younger, and younger in my faith, I found it a bit irritating when our church would sing 
the song that some of you will know called I'll Fly Away. Some glad morning, when this life is gone, I'll fly away. I'm thinking, I don't want to fly away. I'm kind of having it. It's kind of a good life right now. I kind of like the people that I'm around, the people that I love. I like the things that I'm doing. And why are these people talking about flying away to a home on God's celestial shore? I'll fly away. The older I've gotten and the more that I've dealt with the difficulties of life and the aches and pains of the body, it's like, yeah, some glad morning when this life is gone. I'll fly But the other reason is the more that I've gotten to know Jesus, the more that I've understood his love for me, the more that I have understood that there is a place called heaven that he said I was going to specifically to prepare a place for us, for me. That Jesus went on ahead and there is a place in heaven. When I began to understand that, I drive a nice truck. I live in a nice house. I have a nice yard. I have people that I love who live in the household with me, who live around me. I have people in the church who I love, but when I think about heaven, that's where I want to be. And I'm glad to know that those whom I love and love me will be there with me, or I hope they all will be there with me. That's where the encouragement came from. And you know, it's interesting that that song, I'll Fly Away, took on a whole different meaning as I thought about what that is going to be like in my future. So this should be encouraging to us. At the same time, and I'm not, I'm not making light of this, at the same time, thoughts about the end of the world, thoughts about the destruction of planted earth, Thoughts about what is going to be happening in probably the very near future can cause anxiety and fear in some of our hearts. And Jesus understands that, and he's not going to criticize you for that because it means things are going to radically change, and some of us don't deal with change very well. They changed my iPhone on me when I got the new one. I didn't do so well with it. I'm still not doing so well with it. And you, you add masks to the iPhone? Listen, my fingerprint never got masks, so I could open my iPhone no matter if I was wearing a mask or not. <laughs> but now, you know, Face ID, for those of you that have it, it doesn't open. So now i got to remember my password and type it in all the time because the fingerprint is gone. There were some other changes on the phone I still haven't gotten used to yet. Windows just updated upstairs on the upstairs computer, crashed it three times. There are things that I don't like change. But when the end comes, there's going to be radical change. But please remember that the God who loves you, our Lord who died for you, the one who said that it hasn't yet even entered into our minds, the things that God has prepared for us, it will be good for those of us that are his followers. I want to take you now to Jesus' words in Matthew 24, just briefly here. There really, I have four points in my message, but there's only two major themes that I want to talk about. I'm not going to spend a great deal of time getting to them. The first is what I've already talked to you about. The end time started a long time ago. The second will be found here. 
Starting in Matthew 24, verses 3 through 14. It says, Later Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, and his disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us when all of this will happen. And here's the big question. What will be the sign, or excuse me, what sign will signal your return and the end of the world? So the disciples, even 2,000 years ago, were wondering about this because the Old Testament predicted that there was going to come an end. There was going to come a judgment. The Lord was going to return and judge the earth. So they're saying, when's this going to happen, Lord? When is it going to happen? And then Jesus said this, don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place. But the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all of this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Then you'll be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. As the time gets closer... There are going to be those even in the church that are going to turn away from Jesus and they're going to begin to betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant anywhere, and there's what I talked about earlier, and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear, and then the end will come. I want to take you back to verse 8. This will be on the screen. Because this is the second thing that I want to talk to you about. Jesus said in verse 8, about all these things, the uh, nation going to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom, famines, earthquakes in many parts of the world, uh, pestilence and plagues and natural disasters, he says, but all of this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. In 1 Thessalonians, once again, chapter 5, the Apostle Paul writing this says, When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin, and there will be no escape. The second thing I want you to understand this morning is that the coming of the end is preceded by what Jesus says are labor pains or birth pains. Our first daughter, Christina, She's, uh, she's uh, anybody who has a first child. They're the one that you learn from until you realize that every child comes differently. Christina, Sherry was feeling labor pains. Now, we knew that she was getting near the time because she was showing. That was the sign. But she started to have contractions. And so we went to our local hospital, and we waited, and we waited, and they sent us home. Several days went by. We knew it was getting closer, and contractions started again. So we waited at home, and we waited at home, and finally we went to the hospital. But one of the things that Jesus wants us to understand about labor pains, ladies, you will understand this more than us men, but we've watched you in the process, that as it is getting closer to the birth of the child, what happens to contractions? Come on, tell me, what happens? What? They get closer together, and what else do they get? Stronger. 
Closer together and stronger. Closer together and stronger. Closer together and stronger. How close are we to the last days? What are the contractions on planet Earth showing us? I believe it's showing us they're getting closer together and they're getting stronger. We did not know which contraction, even though the nurses were telling Sherry she could begin to push, we didn't know which contraction was going to bring forth our firstborn child. There was the head, but she wasn't totally born yet after the head. But then with one more push, it was there. I believe that on planet Earth, the labor pains, this is point three, the labor pains are getting more intense and closer together. As we watch what's happening, the labor pains are getting more intense and closer together. We should be lifting up our heads and our eyes saying, what are you telling us, Lord? Where are we at in this thing called the last days? Because the labor pains are getting intenser and closer together. And then my last point this morning is this. We are living in the last of the last days. Now, throughout the New Testament, you'll hear the writers saying, you know, the, the Lord's coming is soon, or, uh, you know, he is coming quickly, so do this. We'll find that throughout the New Testament, and that has been true because the last days began on the day of Pentecost. But for us, as we watch the labor pains, as we sense the labor pains, I mean, when was the last time any of you remember that the entire world shut down because of a disease? When was the last time any of you remember that the economy of the world was shut down because of a disease? When we look at the hurricanes that are coming in, the other natural disasters that are happening, the earthquakes that are happening, some of the man-made disasters, that explosion in Beirut was incredible. Certainly that has been happening throughout all time, but what is happening now? I believe they're getting closer together and they're getting more intense, which means we are getting closer to that time. We're living in the last of the last days. But the reason I say this has less to do with nature, has less to do with wars, and it has everything to do with Israel. Pastor Jimmy Evans, in his book, The Tipping Point, explains that every biblical prophecy that needed to take place before the return of Jesus has been fulfilled. Two of the most important were the reestablishment of the nation of Israel in May of 1948. And then in June of 1967, the Jews regained control of Jerusalem. Prophesied in the scripture that before Jesus returns, before Messiah sets up his kingdom, Israel would become a nation again. And they would have Jerusalem as their capital. And then something incredible happened just in 2017. President Trump recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Israel moved their capital from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, which was always their capital city, but it hasn't been. I mean, they've had control of Jerusalem, but it wasn't the capital city. President Trump and then other nations followed recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, and in 2018, our embassy officially opened in Jerusalem. All of these are pointing to we are living in the last of the last days. According to Pastor Evan, uh, uh, Pastor Jimmy Evans, 
since all of the prophecies in the scripture regarding the return of Jesus Christ has been, have been fulfilled but one, the next one to be fulfilled will be the rapture. That's the only thing yet that has not been fulfilled when it comes to the biblical prophecies. That's according to Pastor Jimmy Evans. I am not the biggest scholar when it comes to end times things. I've been studying them, but I have not studied them as intently as people like Dr. David Jeremiah as Jimmy Evans. But I believe that our time is short. The window is short. The day of the Lord's return is close. There is a strong possibility that a majority of people sitting in this room will be alive when the rapture hits. And if we're misreading the seasons, Jesus said, you will not know the day or the hour, and that is true. We will not know the exact moment. We didn't know when Sherry was going to give birth to Christina. It's on her birth certificate now. But we couldn't have done that unless we had a, uh, you know, a, a prophecy about it as far as which day of, it was um, September 4th, back a long time ago. I'm not going to try to remember the date. But we didn't know that. It was going to be September 4th, but we knew it was coming soon because... We had the false labor. Then she went into labor on September 3rd, and the labor progressed, and we went to the hospital, and we waited and waited. And then on September 4th, the labor got intense. And then at a very specific time on September 4th, I don't remember, was she a morning? She was evening, wasn't she? Nope, she was one of our morning ones. She was our morning one. That's right, we stayed up all night. Our daughter was there. Folks, the labor pains are stronger and the contractions are closer together in our world. Our Lord Jesus Christ is returning soon. So, I want to ask you a question. How does this make you feel? Paul indicates that some of our feelings should be hopeful and encouraging. Encourage one another by these words. And, and I do have encouragement that the days are numbered. I have encouragement that we will not. I mean, most of the last day's graphics have, you know, the, the earth on fire or something. You, do you know, and I'll be talking about this when I talk about the rapture. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you won't be there for that. We're already gone. But the earth will experience catastrophic disaster. And there will be people alive on planet Earth at that time. So it brings me great hope and encouragement that I will not be here, but um, it does bring a bit of anxiety. And occasionally I have that because how bad will it get before Jesus returns? Wars and disasters and pandemics. But my biggest area of anxiety is this. Will some of the people I love not have made a decision before that happens? 
Before the rapture happens, is it possible that some of the people I love will not have made a decision for the Lord Jesus Christ? That they would come to a personal saving relationship with him. That does bring me some anxiety. I have comfort and hope for myself, for my wife, for other family members, but I also have people that I know that I question whether they have opened their heart to Jesus yet or some I don't have to question. It's very apparent they have not. And the time is getting close and the labor pains are getting more intense and the contractions are closer together. So what are we going to do? Since the time is short and Jesus' return is closer now than it's ever been, I'm just going to suggest a couple, three things for us. First of all, rejoice. If you are a believer, rejoice. Rejoice because you have an eternal home in heaven that is promised and you will be rescued from this world before disaster strikes. But secondly, get busy. Get busy. There is a tendency when our lives are wrapped up in our problems that we back away from living for the Lord fully or sharing our faith or praying for the unsaved. Even, even this week as I was um, preparing this message, I, I was personally convicted that I have not prayed for certain individuals that I am pretty certain are not Christians in probably the last month or so. I haven't prayed for them. How much more time will I have left to pray for them? How much more time will they have left to make a decision for Jesus? Let's get busy, folks. Let's get busy. And if this morning anyone walked into this place or maybe someone is watching online, maybe somebody shared this message with you, I need to ask you a question. If you followed me this far and you're there at home and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ and you believe what I've been talking about, that the time is getting short, the contractions are getting, the labor pains are getting more intense and there's less time in between them, have you opened your heart to Jesus? Have you personally asked him to forgive you of your sins? And have you personally asked him to save you? Maybe you're here in the building and you have not opened your heart yet to Jesus. You haven't received the free gift of the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. You can this morning. Maybe you're one who at one time you were following Jesus closely. You know, followers of Jesus follow Jesus. They mean they act, that means they act like Jesus acts. They believe the things that Jesus said to believe. They live as close as possible to the way that Jesus wants them to live. But there are people who will open their heart to Jesus, but then they just live for themselves. If that's you, are you, are you ready? 
It's one of the things Jesus said, be ready. Be looking. Be ready. Maybe there's some today, either here or again, maybe in our online audience, that you need to rededicate yourself to Jesus Christ and begin to follow him closely. During this time, I'm going to lead you in prayer also here in just a moment. And then lastly, those of us that are followers, are we taking advantage of the days that we have left? Praying for and seeking to reach as many as we can reach. Giving to the cause of Christ through missions and other organizations that are trying to reach others around the world. Are you focusing on advancing the kingdom of God? like you to bow your heads as I pray this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray that you help us to feel encouraged. We that are believers, as we see that we are closer to Jesus' coming than ever before. Lord, I pray that you would help any who feel fearful and anxious about the end times, that you would help them to identify where that fear is coming from. If it's coming because they are not living for you and they are afraid that they would not be ready when you return, convict them of this right now. Show them what they need to do. If our anxiety and fear is coming because we are thinking about the people who will be lost when you come, then convict those individuals to take action. If it is fear that is coming because they are afraid of all the changes which will take place when you return, help them to realize that any change they experience which you bring about will bring about something that is better than they could ever imagine. Oh, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Help us to respond properly to this knowledge that we are living in the last of the last days. And now, either here or online, if you just felt a conviction that you are not a follower of Jesus Christ. You have not asked him into your heart. You're afraid of the end times because you're afraid that you will not go to heaven with Jesus. If you're here or online, then I ask you just to pray this quick prayer after me. If this is your desire, if this is your heart's desire, God will answer your prayer. Lord Jesus... I recognize that I am not right with you. Lord, I give you my life in the mess that it is in. And I ask that you would forgive me of my sins and give me the free gift of eternal life. I thank you for hearing me and for answering my prayer. In 
Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you who may be a follower of Jesus, but you haven't been following him closely, we're going to sing a song. And I want this song to actually reflect where your heart is. And maybe there's some of us that we've been following the Lord, but we haven't been actively reaching others. The song is called, I Surrender All. We need to just surrender everything to our Lord. Would you stand as we close out this portion of our service with this song? You've been listening to a message from Columbus First Assembly. We hope that you've been encouraged in your spiritual journey. If you're not part of a local church and would like to attend one of our regular services, our church is located at the corner of 10th and Iowa Street in Columbus, Indiana. Our Sunday morning worship services start at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday evening studies begin at 7 p.m. And while you're online, check out our website at columbusfirstassembly.org for details and information about our church. You will also find other messages and series that you can listen to or download. Thanks for spending some time with us and for taking advantage of this resource from Columbus First Assembly, where we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God.